Chronicles chapter 30. It may seem a little bit odd to look at an Old Testament Passover meal when we're preparing for the Lord's table, but um, we need to remember that the first celebration of Passover, the institution of the Lord's Supper under Jesus, was a Passover meal. Paul likens uh, the Lord's table to uh, the Passover. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, he goes through all of the Old Testament festivals and says that the, they instruct us on how we should come to the Lord's table properly. And uh, for that matter, uh, both David and Hezekiah were types of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, in the, their respective celebrations of that meal. And so I think there's a lot that we can learn from this passage. But um, first, uh, Second Chronicles chapter 30, and uh, we'll begin reading at verse 1. And Hezekiah sent to all Israel and Judah, and also wrote letters to Ephraim and Manasseh, that they should come to the house of the Lord at Jerusalem to keep the Passover to the Lord God of Israel. Now commentators point out that after the first Passover when they left uh, Egypt, after that first one, Passover could only be celebrated at the tabernacle or once the temple was built at the temple uh, so that they had to come to the house of the Lord uh, at Jerusalem to keep the Passover there. And it was served by church officers, the, the Levites, and we'll be reading about their role in a bit. But this verse is also interesting because Hezekiah is inviting people who aren't even part of his jurisdiction. He's just the king over the southern tribes, but he is uh, inviting people from the northern tribes as well to come and to partake so long as they are covenanted with God. Now later in the passage, he's going to give some further uh, restrictions, but this is a hint as to why the New Testament does not practice, in our exegesis anyway, does not practice closed communion where only the members of a local church can participate. There are some denominations that do that. And the New Testament doesn't go to the other extreme and practice loose communion where there's no restrictions that the elders put upon the people of who can participate. Uh, instead, they were practicing open communion with verbal, we call it fencing of the table, verbal warnings. But the point I want to emphasize here is that this illustrates a principle you see in many passages that this is the Lord's table, it's not our table, it's not DCC's table, okay? And uh, we welcome all who have been baptized, who have made a public profession of faith, and have placed themselves in submission to the elders of a local congregation. We'll see those um, qualifications later on in this uh, chapter and the next chapter. My hope is um, over a period of Sundays to get a number of lessons from these two chapters uh, on uh, communion. The only additional restrictions that this passage goes on to place upon participants is that they must be repentant of their sins and they must be at least uh, three years of age. Now verse 6 deals with the importance of returning to God before partaking. Then the runners went throughout all Israel and Judah with the letters from the king and his leaders and spoke according to the command of the king. Children of Israel, return to the Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. Then he will return to the remnant of you who have escaped from the hand of the kings of Assyria. 
uh, though there are some other cool principles here, the only one I'm going to highlight uh, this morning is that the presence of the Lord with his people was not a carnal presence, it was a spiritual presence. This is a spiritual sacrament. We're not literally partaking of blood and flesh, it is a spiritual partaking. And even though their physical eyes could not see that God had departed from them, he had indeed departed. And even when they humbled themselves and they came before the Lord, their physical eyes could not see the fact that God was now present with them, but he was indeed present with them. And the book of Revelation gives exactly the same principle. There's no automatic eating with Jesus. Jesus says in Revelation 3, 19 through 20, As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. So he's not even inside of the church building. He was so offended, he was outside of the church. He still loved that church, remember? Because he was, he was uh, rebuking them, he was disciplining them. But he was outside the church, knocking on the church door. And so there wasn't anyone, young or old, who could eat with Jesus unless they met this next condition. And we see this condition repeated a number of times in chapters 30 and 31 of Second Chronicles. But he says this, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. So those are the only ones that he dines with. Okay, it's not a magical presence that we or you can manipulate. You know, some people think that they can somehow turn this sacrament in a way where God has to do something. No, God's sovereign. He's totally sovereign uh, in his presence. Now, continuing to read in verse 7 and following, Do not be like your fathers and your brethren, who trespassed against the Lord God of their fathers, so that he gave them up to desolation, as you see. Now do not be stiff-necked, as your fathers were, but yield yourselves to the Lord and enter his sanctuary, which he has sanctified forever, and serve the Lord your God, that the fierceness of his wrath may turn away from you. And this is one of several passages that guarantee God always brings either blessing or judgment. There's never neutrality when we uh, uh, come before God. And so Paul did not make up the idea that God... Uh, sometimes judges people. Later on, he's going to pray for people to be healed of sickness. And Paul talks about sickness. He, he didn't make that up. He has already, in the previous chapter of 1 Corinthians 10, uh, given exegesis by quoting several Old Testament passages and saying, this is why you're receiving judgment uh, in, in your partaking of the Lord's table. He continues in verse 9 of 2 Chronicles 30, For if you return to the Lord... Your brethren and your children will be treated with compassion by those who lead them captive so that they may come back to this land. For the Lord your God is gracious and merciful and will not turn his face from you if you return to him. Now, too many people see worthy partaking of the Lord's table as we've got to be good enough. We've got to earn our right to this table. And that's completely backwards to the way God has it. So... These people realized they were not good enough, and Hezekiah says that God is gracious and merciful. We need his grace when we come to this table. We need his mercy. We come worthily by doing what? By repenting of our sin and saying, Lord, it's only in your worthiness that I come to this table. 
uh, I plead your mercies. Now, of course, not all have spiritual eyes, and not all, therefore, value the Lord's table. And so verse 10 says, So the runners passed from city to city through the country of Ephraim and Manasseh as far as Zebulun, but they laughed at them and mocked them. They did not value the blessings that come in the covenant meal. They didn't even see the point. Verses 11 through 12. Nevertheless, some from Asher, Manasseh, and Zebulun humbled themselves and came to Jerusalem. Also the hand of God was on Judah to give them singleness of heart to obey the command of the king and the leaders at the word of the Lord. And I especially think the phrases, they humbled themselves and singleness of heart are very, very important. We come worthily as we come humbly to the table and as we seek God's face. And then verse 13, Now many people of very great assembly gathered at Jerusalem to keep the feast of unleavened bread in the second month. They arose and took away the altars that were in Jerusalem, and they took away all the incense altars and cast them into the brook Kidron. So here was a corporate doing away with idolatry, and the point is that it's just as dangerous to have corporate sin as it is to have individual sin that is unconfessed when we come to the table. And that's why we have confession of sin before the Lord's table every single Sunday. You may have already individually confessed your sins, but you're part of the bride of Christ, and it's very important that corporately we confess those sins. And then just one more verse, verse 15. Then they slaughtered the Passover lambs on the 14th day of the second month, the priests and the Levites were ashamed and sanctified themselves and brought the burnt offerings to the house of the Lord. So here we see that the people were so zealous, they outdid the, the elders of the church. They outdid the Levites. And the Levites were put to shame by the zealousness of the people. Yet God still administered the Passover through those church officers. And so there is no warrant whatsoever for serving the Lord's table in home churches. You know, there's, that's very, very frequent. You'll see it with parachurch ministries. They just say, oh, let's have communion together and people will serve it. God has always only authorized this and baptism through the ministers uh, of the church. And Lord willing, I'll continue looking at these chapters in the future, but I would urge all of us to come with the same seriousness that they came with, but also with the same joy and expectation that the Lord delights to bless his people uh, in, in, in this sacrament. Even though our God is a God of judgment, he's also a God of blessing. And so as we come in faith, as we come in repentance, Christ will come into his church, he says, and he will dine with us. So let's come with joyful expectation. Father God, we do come to you uh, this morning uh, realizing that your bride has been uh, your bride from the time of Adam to the present and that you continue to work in your bride, that you are a covenant-keeping God that is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And even though there are no more sacrifices since Christ, the final sacrifice has come, we thank you that you continue to bless us in your covenant meal. And we pray that each one here would come for blessing and not for judgment, that you would fill their hearts full to overflowing uh, with the blessing of the Lord, which maketh rich, and he addeth no sorrow with it. In Christ's name, amen.